quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. Welcome aboard. We've got a lot of things planned today. We have three guests lined up. Len Secura will stop by from Hillendale Farms. Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, and that's quite a statement based on the week. Dean Romani, our mortgage guy, is going to stop by and give us some mortgage tips and, of course, the obligatory yes guy, no guy to end the proceedings in about 55 minutes from now. Jim Taddy with you, Perry Lefko, accomplished writer alongside. Perry, how are you today, sir? Jim, the sun is up, and despite the world coming to an end when the Leafs were bounced from the playoffs, it's a great day. <laughs> that was, that was a, a sudden, well, I'm not going to say sudden, that was a painful ending, wasn't it? It was a painful ending, but lest we forget, Edmonton was bounced in four games, so we see things a little differently here in the East. Yes, we do. Just a week ago, we had an artist on talking about her Edmonton jerseys, and I said you can inscribe next year on it, and I guess you could do that for the Leafs, too. Uh, you know, this was the first time the Leafs were favored and squandered an opportunity, and so, you know, this this game, those three games that they lost, we've seen them before. I could certainly, I mean, wa- the Washington Capitals, I think, have the NHL record for blowing 3-1 series leads, and they eventually won a cup, I know, many years ago. Now, almost 30 years ago, Detroit had that same problem, then went on to bigger and better things, and so this is a fork in the road for the Leafs, no question about that. Well, it'd be interesting to talk to Mike Wilson later on, the ultimate Leafs fan. And uh, I don't know how ultimate Leafs fans like Mike or anybody else can think next year will be different, but we'll ask Mike that question. Well, it better be. Anyway, stay safe in the water this summer. For all your marine safety needs, visit fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your entire order looking for an experienced real estate agent charles park managing broker raymax west realty brokerage has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience so looking for the highest level of knowledge experience and service put charles park in your corner visit charlespark.ca or call or text them at 647-292-8886 servicing from hamilton to kingston from toronto to muskoka charles park will not be outworked by anybody now, first guest will sign in. Glenn Secura is here from Hillendale Farms. And, of course, we didn't say this earlier, but the father of Dylan, who plays for the Vegas Golden Knights, had a big rally on Friday night. Glenn, welcome. How are you today? Thanks very much. Uh, really good today. Uh, better than yesterday. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the goal, right? Today always has to be yeah. better than, than yesterday. So, first of all, tell us about your son, you know, originally drafted by Chicago and, and coming into his own in Vegas. So it's interesting. I have two boys that play, and they they both went the college route. And um, uh, Dylan's older brother Tyler plays in the American League, and and uh, Ty, uh, Dylan was drafted uh, very late, probably sixth round, I think it was. I, I always joke because people ask me what his draft position was, and I said number one, and and that is true because if you go on in the draft, it's an Excel spreadsheet, and if you arrange by weight and then go least to most, he was uh, the number one draft choice at uh, 126 pounds. So he was a late Chicago draft pick. Uh, he got drafted in his second year of eligibility, went to Northeastern. Uh, Chicago treated him really, really well, but for whatever reason, didn't seem to quite fit in. And uh, Vegas apparently had always had interest in him, and had he not signed right out of college with 
Chicago, who had first dibs on him. Uh, Vegas apparently would have made a play on him at that point. So he spent the year between Henderson and uh, uh, Henderson Silver Knights and Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, he's living the dream right now. Glenn, I wanted to ask you, what's it like for you and your wife just to be parents of hockey players that made it to the NHL, or at least professionally, because so many kids have that dream and not many of them actually realize it? Well, I, I would say a couple things. First of all, I'm, I'm an above-average house league player, so the genetic part I would uh, tip towards my wife, maybe, whatever her contribution might have been. But um, we... Our two boys weren't really the kids that figured to make it as far as they've made it. They were both really, really good when they were uh, very young, and then neither one was an early physically maturing kid, so they both ended up getting cut in their peewee year and had to sort of scramble around and find a team and then came into their own again uh, as later teenagers, and um, they're both diligent with their work, so... They are uh, they're continuing to, to improve their games. So I, I don't know when you, actually talking about with my older son about this, when you peak, um, I, I think if you haven't had major injuries and you've got a good work ethic, there's no reason you can't continue to get better year after year. So um, in both of their cases, they, they just work really hard and, and have a real love of the game. So I, I think that's suited them very well. Glenn, take us back. You know, being a professional athlete can be dehumanizing in that you only see how the how the individual plays, and and you have all the sound bites, and people make their judgments and all of that. But I mean, who are these two guys? Your two kids? Who are they? And, and can you tell us maybe what they were like as, as little kids that you could see that that maybe you know this could happen? So, so I will tell you up front, I, I couldn't see that this would happen again. Um, I, my brother was a good player, played a little bit of, in the OHL, a little bit of college hockey, uh, a little bit of pro hockey in Europe, but I was I was never a good hockey player. So my expectations uh, starting uh, starting with the kids, you know, what, hey, every, they're Canadian, so they're going to play hockey. That's the end of it. And whatever they would, whatever level they would get to, would be just fine by by my wife and I. But they just were really, really good early on. They were really crafty and nifty. Neither one is very physical. Uh, the big brother, Ty, is, he, he plays, I want to say plays a, a physical game. Takes a lot of punishment, but he doesn't give a lot of punishment. And, and Dylan is, um, you know, about 160-odd pounds. So he's not in a position to, uh, to be doling out any, any punishment. So they... They both have a lot of skill. They both see the game well. And in Dylan's case, he's a really nifty skater. I think he's, um, you know, a reasonably good NHL skater and and very quick. So I think that helped him a lot. And, um, you know, it wasn't really until junior hockey, and I, I didn't know that either one of them would be good enough to play junior hockey, but um, we started talking about potentially getting a scholarship and, you know, one guy's got a now got an Ivy League degree, and the other one's got a degree from Northeastern. So, uh, if, if hockey didn't ever get them to the professional level, the fact that it got them an education and to play in the NCAA was uh, just a, a remarkable family achievement. I thought. Well, Glenn, tell me what it was like a couple days ago when you found out—maybe well, four days ago—when you found out that Dylan was called up 
and he was going to be playing in, in, in the playoffs. And uh, right away, everyone in Toronto was deflated because the Leafs aren't in it. But you are parents of a player who's in it. So what's that, that, what's that whole experience like? Well, it, I mean, the whole time he's, he's in the American League, right? You're all, you, you, I mean, you, you, you sit, sit there and watch every play he does. And, oh, geez, I, I hope a higher-up saw that. You know, I, I hope he gets called up. You certainly don't ever want anyone to get injured and have him called up as a result of that. You, you hope he can get called up based on merit. But, um, no, really exciting. Uh, I'm a little bit more laid back because not that we ever bought in too much to the hype, but when he was in Chicago, they were talking about, you know, the, the, this, this skinny little kid, late sixth rounder, like he was going to be the next Patrick Kane. And, you know, uh, so the, the, the thought was he's definitely going to find a home on the Chicago Blackhawks and play a regular shift on a regular line and, and, and get an opportunity to um, get an opportunity to, to see what he was all about. It never really worked out that way. He was in, he was out, he was fourth line, he was five minutes a game, he was playing with a couple pluggers, and he's a, a guy that's a, you know, a smaller, skilled guy, so that probably wasn't a great fit. And now to go to Vegas and knowing they have an exceptional hockey team to start with, and he went to training camp and supposedly had a very good training camp, but that team was, you know, training camp was short. They were ready to go from the drop of the puck to try to win the, the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup, so there wasn't really any gaps. So he, he, he really had to wait out his time to, to get an opportunity to play, and I, I hope and think he's acquitted himself pretty well in the games that he's played. Glenn, uh, I introduced you as uh, Hillendale Farm, so let, let's talk about horse racing here. I mean, you have done literally everything possible in that industry, including uh, head steward of the Jockey Club of Canada. And, I mean, what was what's the favorite thing about this for you? Uh, the volunteer work, the favorite thing is, is when we actually accomplish something. And, you know, it, we seem to be six months between crises in the horse industry, whether it's you know, governments turning their back on us with the slot program or other things that have happened, you know, just being being proactive and, and, and reactive and, and trying to, to get positive change done. But it's a business that I grew up, uh, I grew up on. My brother does it full-time in Kentucky at the highest possible level, and I'm really anxious that we get horse racing back on track now. We've lost two months of the season already, and uh, people within the horse industry are, are are bleeding badly right now. We we need an opportunity to, to earn a living, and you know uh, certainly head scratching to think that we were considered an indoor sport and that we couldn't go ahead with our, our start uh, as planned on on April 17th. Um, the same people that train the horses, ride the horses, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, they train them every morning, but they haven't been allowed to do their craft in the afternoon. So I'm, I understand all about COVID. We're actually, my wife and I are going for a COVID shot as we speak at, of all places, Lefko Pharmasafe. And um, so I, I'm aware of that, and I'm not trying to be at all insensitive, but, you know, it just seems like we've had two months, two months of punishment that were completely unnecessary and um, really anxious to get to get things rolling again. And start generating some funds for all the hardworking people in the horse industry. Well, it's amazing that Lefko Pharmacy allowed you to get in front of me. They haven't called me yet, but I'll, I'll address that with the owner. But 
On a more serious note, your Hillendale's bred many, many champion horses, including one called Ellen Vannon, who one of our listeners uh, made sure I said that. Are you confident about the future of horse racing in lieu of so many things that have happened within the last year that have just sort of put a black mark on the industry? So, so I will say this so he doesn't get back to me, our friend John, who you're talking about. I didn't breed Ellen Vannon, but I, 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 did, uh, I did buy her from John, and we've been very fortunate to be able to breed her to some really elite stallions. So uh, she's moved right up to uh, first line in our roster, and uh, I, I hope she'll be a good producer. Um, I, I, I think if you're not a significant optimist, you should not be in the horse business because they find ways to do things to you that you never could have imagined. Um, you know, the Kentucky Derby thing was was a big mess. Um, I, I think it was a real black eye on the sport, but uh, I, I believe we will recover, and I believe when people take their emotion out of the uh, out of the equation and look at what happened and how it happened, and, you know, it wasn't a, a Ben Johnson scenario where where there was uh, an illicit drug in the horse and they were trying to enhance the horse's performance. It was something uh, far other than that. So um, prices have been good this year at the sale for a change. And, you know, the people that have this in their blood, boy, it's a disease. You can't get it out of your system. So I, I think we'll be okay. It, it might look different in the next five to ten years. There may not be as many racetracks, but a, a place like Woodbine has a, an opportunity, I think, to flourish. So one more question about the industry. It's very personal. Can you give us a tip on one of your horses that we should be watching for in the next little while? Yeah, my, my dad always said uh, there's an easy way to double your money at the racetrack. He said, take it out of your pocket, fold it in half, and put it back in your pocket. So <laughs> that's my tip for you. But we, we have a, uh, a Malibu Moon Colt. Uh, two-year-old colt out of uh, Ellen Vannon, so the the same horse that you you mentioned about. His name is Collaborative. He's been training well. Uh, he's undefeated, though he's yet to start, and I think he could be a nice horse. Glenn, thanks very much. Really appreciate it, and thanks for the tip on the folding the money. That's priceless. <laughs> well, thank you, guys, and uh, all the best to both of you. No, thanks. Thank you very wife. much. Yeah. Glenn Secura, uh, Hillendale Farms. And so Dylan Secura, uh, let's see, played with the Aurora Tigers 2011 to 2014, goes to Northeastern University for four years, drafted by Chicago, and now in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs with Vegas. Uh, interesting storyline. Be heard outdoors with the Fox 40 electronic whistle, 100 decibels at the press of a button. Buy yours now at fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. If you are an experienced real estate agent looking for a comprehensive package of value and distinct advantages, contact Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Up next, the Ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. This is Yes Guy, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps and Apple Music. You're listening to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Don't tell me when you're 
Use a Fox 40 whistle to be heard outdoors while walking, hiking, biking, and more. Visit fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and a real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. The Leafs, oh no. Let's bring in Mike Wilson, the ultimate Leafs fan. At you, Leafs fan, is the Twitter account. Mike, everything okay? Well, you know, the, the pain is uh, starting to ease away a little bit, but it, you know, it never goes away permanently. <laughs> but this is, you know, this is like a transition because now they're the favorite team. And as I said earlier, you can go back 30 years, you find Detroit had this problem. Washington has had this problem for years, finally won a cup. San Jose, and I, and I believe Ottawa had had a bit of this issue. I, I think the, the worry is that you don't want them to solve this, go into the Stanley Cup final and lose as, as the high water mark. Yeah, but, you know, but, you know, you, you, there is a point where you do have to make advancements to get to that next level and, and experience what it's like because, there comes a point in time where you have to feel what it's like to be at that next level. And to get there, you've got to get through the toughest part. And the toughest part is winning that first round because all the pressure is usually on the top team. And I don't want to say that just because it's the Maple Leafs, but how many times do we ever see upsets in the first round? We see them all the time. And then teams seem to level off and find their watermark and move from there. And you've seen that now as the second round is underway. And the, the, the play is sort of going back to the way we kind of expected. Mike, you got to tell me honestly, how do you remain such an optimist about this team that breaks so many hearts? Well, because it's been, I mean, I'm 66 years old. It's been in my blood since the day I was born, and it's never going to leave. And you've got to stick with who you believe in, and I believe in the team, and I have since I ever began, and, you know, I will to the day I die, and it's just the way it is. If you're a real fan, and there's lots just like me throughout Leap Nations. I found when I was following the team a couple of years ago, uh, they're they're true and blue, and they stick with them. You know, so you're 66. I mean, you can remember what happened in the 60s, uh, and and this team. You know, I, the, the other thing that bothers me about this team is I, I don't mind the core players. I, I like them. I, I just it, for me, it's it's a, a little out of sync because what you have is a salary cap that resembles a Stanley Cup winner, and you have a team that can't get through the first round. That that's a little scary for me. How about you? Well, there is that that part. You've got to remember the pandemic, not to use it as an excuse, but it did put a cap on the cap, and everybody thought it was going up, and the, the TV contract went from 200 to 600, so there was some optimism that that number was going to move, and it hasn't, so it's flatlined, so that's hurting them. But look, let's summarize it like this. I'm sure both of you guys have seen the movie Moneyball, and there's a scene in the movie where Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt, is in a discussion with his right-hand analytical man, played by Jonah Hill. And the comment is that when they want to get the right players in the lineup and they have to make these changes, and then they're training one of their all-stars, their best player in their team, to make this happen. And the question coming back from Jonah Hill was, this is what can get you fired. And Bean says, with Brad Pitt, I know this can get me fired, but the real question we should be asking here is, do you believe in what we are trying to do here? And in my opinion, that's the hardest question that Brendan Shannon has to ask Kyle Dubas and in of himself and move forward from there. So I asked you before, and it's a very interesting thing you're talking right now about economics, because the Leafs are in a very, I would say, a very precarious situation right now because of economics. Whether Kyle Dubas saw this happening or not, prepared for it, or it just happened, now he's scrambling. 
How do you expect this team to actually be able to retain players that they need while also trying to be, you know, competitive? Well, everybody else is in the same boat. Anybody, any of the teams you see remaining playing are all in the same boat and they had the same issues. And I thought he did a terrific job this year managing what little room he did have in the cap and bringing the players in. I mean, there's some question marks about some players you brought in, like Raleigh Nash. Why was he not playing? You know, and you brought the guy in to be a playoff performer. He is a previous playoff performer who hurt us back-to-back in years. Why was he not in the lineup? They built this team through depth, through the Marlies, and through the taxi squad. They are the, the parts were there. It didn't work. And you, what you have to do is you have to go back and analyze where that all took place. That's why I come back to the question I just posed to you guys a second before about do we still believe in what we're trying to do? And all you have to do is look back a couple of years to the Raptors. And I was on this show with uh, um, Butch Carter, ex-Raptor coach, one time, and he talked about Dwayne Casey. And he said, this team will never advance with Dwayne Casey as the coach. And I said to him, well, they're in first place. They're a top-four team. He probably is going to be coach of the year, which he was. Why do you suggest that? He said, watch him on the sidelines. The players do not respond to him. He almost seems to be looking like he's a little confused. And the, the coaches do all the speaking to the players when they're strategizing. And this, that, that's not a good sign of leadership. So I started watching a little bit, and I noticed a little bit, and not to pick on him, but I noticed that Sheldon Keith, he looks a little bit confused behind the bench at times. And, uh, by the way, we saw what happened with the Raptors when he did make their changes uh, and made that controversial trade. But I look at Dubas, and I see similarities. And maybe a little confusion behind the bench. Maybe that's just the way he operates. But he's looking around for players, looking down at his notes. I don't know if that's just sort of sends the wrong signal, but I think I would suggest I would look there for starters and about some of the – moves that are made and some of the lineup decisions that were made and move forward from there. But I think you have to identify those two things first. The first thing I mentioned and the second thing I've just gone through, and then you go from there and then you make, and then if you can come to some sort of realization and confidence in that yourself, then you can move forward from there. And if it's just a question of redrigging the bottom six again, so be it. But I don't think that's the solution in my own personal feeling. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there, and I certainly remember very well because I do the Raptors games that that, that trade and, and the removal of of Dwayne Casey uh, that was the ultimate guts play. But you have to have the right guy making the the move, and and that's where you you understand that you have a top executive, and that's why you're paying him what you pay him because he can make that move. That's not everybody though, that's for sure. That's 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 well, that's well, that's the question you ask yourself, and you got to remember that these guys, Colin Brendan, have to answer the people above them and you know the question's coming well you know how long is this going to take guys because how much is our viewership going to drop with now without toronto playing and let's face it how many people are actually going to watch from toronto moving forward and how many people are actually going to watch about montreal and winnipeg and that's the real number for them are eyeballs so you've got to deal with that issue too so you've got to be very convincing to your own personnel and your own management team above you that what you're suggesting moving forward is actually going to have a chance to work. Mike, you saw what the Raptors did. They had consistently made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Masai Ujiri didn't like the future. He thought it wasn't just good enough to make the playoffs. He wanted to win it, made it yeah. fired the coach, and made a, a very key trade. When you look at yeah. the Leafs right now, do you think they have to make a dramatic trade or something like that to prove that, they, 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 they're going to have to get forward in some way beyond just what it is right now. See, that's a very good question, uh, Perry. But, you know, but the thing about it is that, that, is, that, is, that is the question you have to answer and be convinced with yourself before you move forward. Yes, I do believe they can do that. Basketball is much easier to do than hockey, by the way. But I know where your point is coming from. 
the sample size and work package for um, for Keefe and for Caldera, this is three years, while two and three. And the players, though, are five years. And you have to look back at the work projects that these guys have done or the body of work that they've done over that period, and it seems to be running the same thing. So are these actually the guys that are going to take you to the next level? And, you know, the question's coming back. And if you want to make that tough decision, you know, everybody's throwing a name like Seth Jones around, and, you know, Marner's out there, and you're going to have to make that decision. You know, do you give, let's put it this way. The Detroit Red Wings, you mentioned, Jimmy, at the beginning about how long they went through it. Steve yeah. Eisenman went from being a 50-60 goal scorer to scoring 23 goals the year they won a Stanley Cup, and he won his first Cup. So to yeah. make that decision, there has to be a commitment from the players to buy in to the way what you're trying to do. And it doesn't look so far like that is working. And maybe no fault of the players because just maybe they're in the wrong position to do it, and they have the wrong players, obviously. Well, you know, maybe that transition's 50% down the road, and that's why they stumbled. I'm just going to throw this at you to and get a reaction before we say goodbye. Um, you identified sure. it earlier. We know the corporate structure of the ownership. You were talking about the Raptors, and so was I. And so because the Raptors won, everybody understands what that means to the ownership when you go that far and when you win. So that's the template for the Leafs. In fact, I may suggest to you that if the Leafs were to do that, there'd be more money in the till for that. I mean, that may be the ultimate motivating factor for whoever makes the ultimate decision yeah yeah i agree with you 100 and i i think that's exactly this that and again that's why i come back to my first point that i said twice now is that yeah. they have to look themselves in the eye and make that decision because again to carry on with the movie as brad said brad Pitt says when they both agreed this is what they want to do then what are we worried about so if it means moving 16 and moving in seth jones then you do it and the, and the thing that people remember, forget about all that is, or whoever it is you bring in, but I would suggest you start there in defense. But uh, whoever it is, you've got to remember that when Kawhi was approached on the side for the first time, he said to him, why did you trade for me? He said, because you're the best player in the NBA. And he'd played only nine games the, day, the year before. So he actually believed in his process, and it happened to work. So yeah. I think if we can identify that and get through that, then the moves will be made. It'll be made with some confidence, and hopefully they work. But there definitely has to be some change. Mike, I suggest you fasten your seatbelt and make sure the tray's in the upright position for this. Thanks very much. Oh, you got it. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Mike. The, the Ultimate Leafs fan, at you Leafs fan, is the Twitter account. Coming up next, Dean Romani, our mortgage guru. Stay safe in the water this summer. For all your marine safety needs, visit fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your entire order. This segment was sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, Braley Advisors. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors, Incorporated. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050. Now back to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Yes, guy. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Kincaid Construction's painting team, those paint like Canada knows hockey. 
Residential, commercial, Kincaid painters do it all. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Or listen to what he has to say right now, because he's here. Dino, how are you? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Very good, thanks. So right off the top, big week, new stress test. What does that mean to everybody? Well, right now it just means that the more that you can borrow, it's less, actually, you can borrow less than you could before. So... Before, the blenders were qualifying you at 4.79, and now they're qualifying you at 5.25%, so meaning that your your borrowing power is a little bit less. Dean, I'm going to go right off the board here because we just talked to a a gentleman talking about the Leafs, and they've mortgaged their future on four players. Do you have any advice for the general manager about possibly refinancing? Yeah, I always say, I mean, listen, when it comes to refinancing, the banks can always qualify you for maybe a little bit more than you need. Take what you need. If you're taking anything else, take it in the form of a line of credit. Some people will, you know, consolidate some debts, uh, you know, want to do some finance, uh, renovations in their house. And it's good to take it either in the form of a line of credit. This way you can take as you need. And afterwards, you can always refinance it back into the mortgage. Okay, Dean, let's go through this step by step. So somebody calls you at 416-885-1761 says, Dean, I, what do I have to do to get ready to qualify to make my uh, application? And then once I get it, what do I have to do to maintain it? So great question. So what we look at first is we want to see what this person does for a living. Are you self-employed? Are you salaried? Um, these things all take into consideration. Are you, uh, you know, a real estate, for example, where you're on commission? Um, what we do is every person we you know every every situation is unique here. So what we want to know is if your salary you know we'll take a letter of employment, a couple of pay stubs. Um, if you're self-employed, we look at you know your your business financials, your what you've claimed to the government on your personal taxes. If you're real estate commission or even like myself mortgage-based commission, then what you can do is you can take it to your average of your uh, you know of what, of what you declare to the government. We can use that. There's also some lenders there that, you know, do some lending where they'll look at your, uh, you know, business bank statements. I mean, there's so many different ways. But the idea, the first thing to do is to learn what the client does for a living and then prepare them for what they need. So a pre-approval, we would ask for in the situation that somebody's salaried, we would ask for a letter of employment plus two pay stubs. I want to see where their down payment's coming from, making sure it's not borrowed. If it's gifted, is it gifted from an immediate relative, like a mother, a father, brother, or sister? These are all important things that the lender's going to want to look at. But also what we like to see is is that we also tell a client, if you're buying some house out there, the house has to be approved too. And what I mean by that is lenders are usually going to ask for an appraisal. Now, we don't want a, a, an appraisal company to go into this property and say that, you know, this house is, you know, not up to shape or not to par or, or its economical life is only 10 years. This can ruin a deal. And this will hurt a client if they're going in firm. So we got to be very careful when we're telling somebody, yes, go ahead or don't. Yeah, following along those lines, the market is so hot right now that some people feel the need to get in right now, even though they may not have the sufficient funds to do it. What would be your advice to these people? You know what? Don't do it. Because if you don't have the funds, it gets a little messy. See, here we, we are responsible. If you, if you get into a, a firm sale agreement, you are responsible to close on that property. And 
for example, if you bought this a property on emotions and end up paying, you know, a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars over asking, and it gets appraised at your and it gets appraised for two hundred thousand less, you're responsible. You're on the hook for that two hundred thousand. So, the thing is, you either better have that saving in savings, or you know, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. You're going to be boring. Now, that's where you're going to get into, you know private financing or secondary financing it's a never-ending battle there so i would advise listen make sure you're comfortable with what you can get and make sure you're comfortable with what you can afford because obviously there's more expensive than just the mortgage yeah just to just to sort of to flesh that out for people from what i recall from my real estate days i mean you've made the commitment to buy that and if you try to walk away you may have pushed that property out of a prime market into a lesser one and there's yeah. a loss for the seller and uh, you might be liable for that. that i mean it's tricky stuff you should speak to a lawyer on that but i want to go back to so now i've done all the stuff you wanted me to do i've qualified i have a house what should i not do before that house closes what should you not like? Have you bought it already? You're saying you've already bought it. You've already entered an agreement. Have I bought it? You've approved my mortgage, and there's now the like the the, the two months before I can move in. I cannot yeah. alter my financial status, can I? Yeah. yeah, don't go buy that sports car and finance it. <laughs> <laughs> because so because that, you, that, yeah, then I, you don't qualify. Yeah, I've seen that. So you know what? A lot of lenders, what they'll do is, I mean, when we submit our applications, we always submit it with the credit bureau. But there can be, especially if we've done a pre-approval, let's say, in February, and now it's May, and the clients are, you know, we're going to have to either re-pull a credit bureau, and the lender has a right to pull the credit bureau themselves before closing to make sure nothing's been altered. So if something like that happens, I mean, it can really ruin the deal last minute. You know, Dean, our mortgage was up recently. We went to the bank to, you know, get a new one, and they were trying to push us on borrowing a whole bunch of money, expand the line of credit, which I wasn't keen on doing you sort of mentioned it before. Why would someone want to take on more money through a line of credit? So I always say this. If, you're ta- if the bank is offering you money, even if you don't need it, it's a great idea to take it. Because when you need the money, the bank is less likely going to provide it for you. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago, the government changed the rules on the line of credit portion of your house to oh, maximum 65% can be a revolving portion on your property. Okay? But before... You could have gone up to 80%. So, for example, let's say I own my house and I have an 80% line of credit pre those rules that they came out with. Okay, so I got a million-dollar house. I got an $800,000 line. Now I buy the property across the street, okay, for whatever price, okay, and now I want to rip it down and build a new house, for example. I don't have to go to the bank for the money. I have the money right there all ready to go. It doesn't stall me. It doesn't cost me more. It doesn't put extra stress on my plate. I, I think that... Uh, you know, it, it's, it just makes sense that, you know, if you don't need it, the banks will always come to you for the money. But when you need it, they get a little nervous, they tighten up, and they, and they say, you know, oh, we don't do this. And you know what? Some things are out of our control, too, and the banks, where the rules do change. And, for example, now that million-dollar house you have, you can only get a $650,000 line as opposed to eight hundred. So I, I always say if you can get it and you're responsible, obviously take it. If you're not and you know you're going to spend it, don't take it. Don't ever take it. Okay, asking for a friend, uh, up for renewal, five years or ten years, what would you suggest? That's a great question. I mean, I've always been, I'm a variable person, so I would always take a a five-year variable. Um, That's me. Ten-year rates, still pretty good. Who knows? You know, I mean, I had people ten years ago say to me, you know what, the ten-year rate, take it, it's going to be great, great. And if you did take it ten years ago, you would have lost out. So I'm going to stick with the five myself. 
So then let me ask you another question. This pertains to, again, about mortgages. Sure. There's different types of mortgages, you know. What is the, if you were to tell a person the ideal type of mortgage, what would it be? So what I suggest is always this. People always ask me, Dean, should I go fixed or should I go variable? The variable looks cheaper, but you know what? I'm a little bit nervous. I say, listen, the best mortgage for yourself is the one you feel most comfortable with. If you can handle a variable rate mortgage where the rates may go up, may go down, may stay the same, then I would say take it. If you're going to be able to sleep at night, then take it. If you're not going to be able to sleep at night, take the fixed. I tend to like the variable because there's other features of the variable mortgage that I find that are very interesting. And one of them being that most lenders uh, charge a three-month interest penalty to break a variable mortgage, whereas a fixed mortgage, uh, lenders can charge three months interest or interest rate differential. And those interest rate differential penalties can be massive. So it's easier to get out of a variable mortgage, I find, than it is a fixed. But then again, it's up to the client. Another thing I have noticed, too, is that a lot of people are moving within the first five years of their mortgage. I don't rarely see somebody coming to term on their five-year fixed mortgage or five-year variable mortgage. People are either, A, refinancing, or they're moving up. It's not like, uh, you know, remember my parents, we lived in our first house for 20 years. So times have changed. Well, look, you, you are wired. I mean, you know your, your mortgage stuff, but you also know the real estate market because your mom uh, has a, a long and uh, illustrious career in the real estate yeah. business. So so let me let me just put this general question to you. Uh, I'm thinking of buying or I'm thinking of selling. doesn't matter, either scenario. What is your general piece of advice with, with your, your background and what you do and, and from what you know about real estate as it is today? So I always say if you're thinking of buying, get a pre-approval in place first. Find a realtor that you trust. That could be referred to by somebody, somebody that you see in your neighborhood. Um, you know, a lot of schools find your neighborhood by the same person, somebody who's an area specialist of where you want to move. Um, that's, that's what I suggest first. But obviously, get your finances in place. Talk to a mortgage uh, broker, a mortgage specialist up front. This way they can tell you, hey, I see your credit bureau. This is your overall situation. This is what we can get you. This is what I think you should do before you get your mortgage to make your application look better. And then, you know what? Go out and look for that house. And you know what? There's, the market is, like you said, it's, it's really hot right now, but there's always going to be a house there out there for you. So take your time, make the right decision, try not to overpay and be, be so emotional on the purchase because, you know, there's a time where you walk out the front door and you have five minutes to make up your mind or that house is gone. Gene, thanks very much. Really enjoyed this. Great being here, guys. Thank you very much. Dean Romani, so homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG Saperidge Mortgage Solutions. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Kincaid Construction's painting team makes it look easy. They bring skill and attention to detail and professional know-how to every project. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. Yes Guy, No Guy is next. This is Yes Guy, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, TSN and iHeart Radio apps and Apple Music. You're listening to The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy. Kincaid Construction's painting team knows the value of quality workmanship. Make your walls and ceilings fresh again. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. 
Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned uh, Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. The Leafs need to trade one of their big four. Um, I'm going to say no guy. I I think where they are is that they have to uh, circulate the people around them. Uh, I'm not willing to give up on the big four at this point. Uh, they have a year left, mind you, but but that's it. So uh, I just I think that you know we sort of got into that with the Wilson conversation there. That I think they're transitioning from that because you heard uh, comments about how John Tavares had had uh, embraced it and, and worked on it all year, uh, and so I, I believe that. Uh, uh, Marner and Matthews are working on it. They haven't succeeded at it yet, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm willing to give them another full year. And remember, 82 games next year instead of the 56. So uh, I, I have uh, I have some generosity in me, unlike some other people. How about yourself? You know what? They're going back into a division they didn't do very well in before. This was a great year, all Canadian division. You know what? I think Kyle Dubas has fallen in love with these four guys, and he says, I won't trade them. I think he's going to have to bite the bullet because the biggest concern for me right now is they may not have a backup goalie. They've put all their eggs in a basket for a goalie who did okay this year. He may not be the same person next year. So I think that's their biggest problem right now is their goaltending. Well, that that's one of them. And, and then um, everybody wants the Zach Hyman signing, but if it's at the market rate, Instead of having four at 45 or 40, you're going to have five at, at 45 or 46. That does not that does not help the cap situation as good a hockey player as he is. My complaint would be where are, and there's only one Zach Hyman, don't get me wrong, where are the others that play somewhat like Zach Hyman? Did you draft them? Are you acquiring them? I don't see them. So that, that might be an issue. Yes, guy, no guy for me. It's too hot. No, guy, come on. It was like freezing like a week or two ago. Guy, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, okay? Come on. Who says it's too hot? Come on. I I should have asked you that when we went on the air. Then it would have been a better show because you got all revved up. Go ahead, sir. Not having LeBron James in the finals will be a good thing. That's like a double negative if I answer that. Um uh, it will be a good thing. No, guy, it's always good to have uh, arguably the, the best player or one of the best players going, so I'm, I'm going to say no, guy. But having said that, you know, the Lakers defending champs out, uh, and so it, it makes you understand the Raptors situation a little better. I, I just, you know, I tend to look at all this stuff as this is an altered state, and we have been for, what, 15 months now? So whatever happens, happens, and back to normal, hopefully next year. You okay with that? I'm still trying to get over the fact you think it's too hot, okay? So. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, so yes, guy, no guy. You suddenly have interest in the World Hockey Championships. No guy. Really? Why Why would I have any interest in the World Hockey Championships when the NHL playoffs are still on right now? Canada, Finland, one, Canada, Canada, Finland, 1 o'clock Sunday. Come on, it's the gold medal game. You're, you're putting me on the spot because it's a TSN oh. production here, okay? Yeah. I still like watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I okay. love watching Colorado. Fastest team, physical team, they've got it all. So I'll, 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 okay, I'll abide by what you're asking me and kind of have an interest. Is that okay, guy? Yeah, it's okay, guy. I was just going to put out the note that we're looking for a new co-host, but I'll retract it. 
Well, way to, way to throw me under the bus, guy. Come on. <laughs> do I do that? Just a minute. Before we go any further, Kincaid Construction's painting team paints everywhere. They travel the GTA and beyond. Kincaid painters do it all. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-5014-233 to arrange a free consultation. Go ahead, sir. We have, by the way, exactly two minutes and ten seconds. Are you going to bet your brain's out the first time collaborative of runs? No guy, no. I'm what? Gonna take what are you going to fold your bills? I'm going to no. take that. That was a classic. I'm going to take my money out of my pocket, fold it, and put it back in. That's how you double your money. That is a classic line. I love that. John Secura, I love the man. He was a great, great guy, greatest yeah. storyteller. But I disagree because when someone gives you a tip, you act upon it fast. Okay, guy? Yeah, okay, guy. Well, whatever. Uh, it's still too hot. Oh, come on, guy. <laughs> When you're on, are you happy you can go golfing now, guy? Yeah, well, I haven't golfed yet. I, I don't want to golf with with the uh, the, the current hair situation. Oh it's God, a little man, hot. you're killing me, man! <laughs> All right, let's do this. Yes, guy, no guy. Patience for Leaf fans. No guy. We've seen it again and again and again. How many times do you have to see the same movie and think there's going to be a different result? No guy. They have to make something dramatically different. I just told you they're going back into a division against Boston, Tampa Bay, Florida. It's not going to be like it was this year. Okay, so let me let me phrase this. We got exactly a minute left. As you watch the Leafs go from 3 to 1 to 3 to 2 to 3 to 3, even if they won game 7, you realize that they were not going to get past the final four. Yes guy, no guy. No guy because you're yeah. saying if they didn't get yeah. they didn't get past this round because one thing this team is missing, it's a serious they don't have what I would call the pump. They've got tremendous ability, but they don't got players out there that'll kill. They don't have a Doug Gilmore on their team right now. That's the difference. Well, they need more than one. They, I call them foot soldiers. And so when you watch the other series, you see the Islanders have an entire roster that's built that way. Boston has a roster built that way. Tampa has a roster built that way. The West teams are a little different. And Carolina has somewhat of a roster that way. I mean, that's who you have to go through. You're absolutely right that way. And next year they could be looking at three straight rounds of that before they get into the Stanley Cup final if, in fact, they get there. They need lots and lots of grit. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Yes Guy. Yes Guy! <laughs>